You're listening to Midnight Showing, a podcast about movies. Conversation, if you will. I mean, dude, if there was ever a movie for us to stand outside the theater smoking a cigarette, it is fucking good time. Oh, my God. With with every Blu-ray copy they sell of this movie, they should also give you two sticks of Xanax, a case of blue Gatorade, and- A pack of L&Ms. Yeah. No, I I wasn't even thinking L&Ms, bro. I was thinking American Spirit Blacks. A carton of American Spirit Blacks. The hardest nicotine addiction you could possibly get from watching this movie, and maybe throw a bottle of Sprite in there afterwards, just for good measure. Dude, so this is a review of Good Time, directed by the Safty Brothers, starring Robert Pattinson, my boy Nash. Off the bat, did you enjoy this movie? Yeah, I thought it was a good movie. Word. All right, let's end, let's end the podcast. All right, cool. <laughs> that is the hard hitting analysis you come here for, people. That's episode three. Episode, episode sixty one. Well, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it a little bit here, but you know, solid movie. I had. No expectations, because I hadn't heard anything about this movie until you suggested we watch it. That's the only thing I had heard about. Are you upset that you never heard about this movie until now? Because this movie came out when we were in college, and it would have been an awesome movie to watch in college. Yeah, I am a little annoyed. Um, Now now that you say that, I did not even know that. I thought it came out, like, last year. So, what did it come? 2017, dude. It came out, I assume it came out in theaters. I believe so. It probably did. And it's on Netflix now, which, you know, we're not advertising that, but that's where it is. For a limited time. I think they're taking it off the streaming service, which is like kind of messed up, honestly. Yeah, because it's a really good movie and I didn't hear anything about it. And even like it's not that it's Robert Pattinson. I didn't hear anything about it. I just straight up did not see one advertisement for this movie. Which I, f- I think is super interesting, and uh, when you're talking about the Safdie brothers and their work, they are also the duo who made the movie Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Did you see Uncut Gems? Um, I didn't. Oh, well... <laughs> and well then to, to those who are listening who did watch uncut gems uncut Ge- uncut gems is a very fast-paced movie that makes you feel a little stressed and anxious and by the end of it you're kind of just like what the fuck and if there was a way that i could describe the movie good time it would probably be it stresses you out, and by the end of it, it makes you say, what the fuck? So I guess <laughs> yeah, that, that's the, the, the Safdie brothers are just living in this weird realm where they want all their movies to just be a little cracked out. Yeah, I really liked the actions that were taken because it's like, you know how in movies you're kind of like, that's a stupid thing to do. Why'd you do that? Yeah. I felt like in this movie, like, you know, not all the time, but there were points where like, oh, that's smart. Good. That's what I that's what I would have done if I was caught like that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it, it feels very realistic in the way it moves forward is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Like it doesn't have it doesn't seem too absurd. I mean, he does some outrageous things and some, you know, debatably egregious things. Um, I'm talking about how he got that car. But <laughs> a lot of times it's like how he re- how he reacts to situations like, wow, that that 
that's what you do. That's what you do. <laughs> if you had to do it, that's what you do. I am like such a Robert Pattinson truther right now, dude. Like he is. Oh my God. He, I like he. I swear to God, he's our savior, dude. He's like one of the greatest modern actors of all time. You know, ab- above all else, I think this is Connie's movie and Robert Pattinson's movie, and I think this is just such a great example of his work as an actor and how he he can be such an engrossing character. You know what I mean? Like, like I think this is such a character-driven movie by one really flawed cyclone of a person. Yeah, his definitely career got that, you know, smudge on it from Twilight, which I've seen the first one against my will, and it's a bad movie. And it's it's a it's, it's just a hilarious movie to watch. It's hard not to just die laughing. But we'll, we'll maybe there'll be an episode. Maybe there'll be a special. We'll, we'll probably have to now that we brought it up. If, you, right. if you thought our Mad Max four part special was fun, <laughs> oh, you have nothing in store. How many now, Twilight? Man. How many Twilight movies are there? <laughs> four, I think. Oh, oh my god. god. Um so they're like six. <laughs> but <laughs> but no, sorry, sorry, but seeing him in the lighthouse, you know, that is a clear turning point um with how I perceived him as an actor because it really spoke to the heart. Like a lot of times, okay, and stuff, like we will on this show sometimes say, like, oh, they're a bad actor. You know, and yeah. you'll you know, you hear that all the time when you're talking about movies. Of course you do. A lot of times what people don't consider is depending on who the director is like the director could be the type of person that is to the letter of the script and story they want to tell. The actor has no wiggle room and they take exact directions from there and that's it. So they don't actually even have an input as an actor. They're essentially a drone to convey it, right? which is kind of what all actors are, but that freedom to do sort of how you want to interpret the scene, how you approach the scene really determines that person as an actor, like their actual skill level, if they can sort of like doing improv when an actor does good improv stuff, I'm like, all right, they're a good actor. Cause that you, not everybody can just do that. Read the scene and follow it appropriately to where it makes sense off the cuff. And that's where you get some of your best, you know, film and TV moments. And so seeing like him in the lighthouse and especially this movie, you're definitely like, okay, he was bad in Twilight because that's the direction he was given to do. Yeah, okay. I haven't seen Twilight, so I can't speak on that too much, but an example I thought of that I've heard before is that Hayden Christensen playing Anakin in the prequels, he was kind of told that Anakin was supposed to be a little bland and lifeless, almost like he was a kid who was like disillusioned to the world. And so that's kind of an excuse that's made as to why Hayden Christensen's character is kind of coming off in that way. What, What brain bubble did I just pop for you? We might have to watch the movie. I think it's Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen. That sounds beautiful. Put it on the list. <laughs> yeah. So it could do Outcast. Outcast. All right. Out, outcast. Write it down. Here we go. So anyway, back, back back in a good time where I wanted to start this conversation is when when it comes to this movie, I think above all else, even above this being Robert Pattinson's movie is that the story of good time is conveying a feeling to you. 
And by the time it ends, it just leaves a pit in your stomach like your favorite TV show just ended. You know, like it comes to such a grinding halt that by the end of it, it just made me like anxious to watch more of the story, watch more of these characters. And I think that's so important. And honestly, it's kind of why I wanted to restart this podcast with you, because I watched this movie and it reminded me why I love talking about movies. Yeah, it starts off like right out the gate. Um, you're you're hitting the ground running and let's talk dude let's talk to about exposition because there's hardly any of it right there's hardly any of it they show you they don't tell you in this movie which if you've listened before we like that here ladies and yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> and it does such an excellent job where it's like i i do want to know more about this characters so they could easily make a prequel they could easily probably make a sequel yeah like like it it does such an excellent job of showing what you need. No, exactly, dude. And I I think I think the first scene of this movie before the bank robbery is honestly a masterclass in dissecting and figuring out what the character of Connie like like truly is, who Robertson Pattinson's character is at his core, right? Because of course, above all else, I'm going to be saying above all else for this review if you hadn't tell. Uh, so above all else, this movie is conveying a feeling. And at the end of the day, I think every action in this movie is to enhance that feeling. But it's also Robert Pattinson's movie. And every character that interacts with Robert Pattinson in this movie is essentially a pawn towards the end that he is trying to get to. And what I think I want to talk about most with you is how Nick relates to Connie in this story. And I really think the basis question that I want to ask you off the bat before we dissect anything about this beginning scene is does Connie truly love Nick? What is your answer? Oh God. Um, I think it's, I think it's where we got to start. I want to, I want to say yes. And hmm, yeah, um, well, I so do. Let's talk about it, right? So that first scene with the doctor, the the second that my ears kind of perked up was right when Connie came into the room. Connie is asking Nick, what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? And Nick's response saying, uh, Connie wants them to leave. And before they can leave, Nick says, he's got all my stuff. So what I thought was a really interesting way that Connie gives Nick agency is telling Nick to rip up the notes. Connie doesn't grab the notes for him and rip them up. He says, well, then rip them up, Nick, if that's pissing you off, dude. So what I started to pay attention to was the agency that Connie gives to Nick that Nick might not be getting from other characters in the movie, specifically that doctor. Now, the morality around that is something I'm not sure I can speak on in any sort of like real life situation. But in the, in the context of this story, how much agency is Connie giving him? Because if, if you go through that scene, he, he tells Nick rip up the thing. They're walking down the hallway and in such a realistic heart wrenching way, Connie says to Nick, do you, is this what you think you are? Or, or whatever, referring to uh, people with mental disabilities. Is that what you think you are? As if he considers Nick to be above that in a certain way. And then finally, when they oh, are God. in... <laughs> finally, when, when, when they're in the elevator, dude, um, Nick is talking about how Grandma wanted him to go. And he says, fuck Grandma, Nikki. It's just you and me. I'm your friend, all right? And Connie, like, almost cries when he says that, dude. So... To answer the question quickly, I think Connie does love Nick, but Nash, 
what is the exact next cut after we see the title screen good time not 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 like a few seconds later the literal fucking cut <laughs> from the intro of this movie is connie putting nick into a situation in which he does not understand the repercussions literally cut right from there so i don't think <laughs> it is such an easy answer between does connie actually love nick or is it just in his own twisted way i know i just went on for like a a minute there but like do you, do you kind of see what I'm like trying to pick up about these characters and how they really interact with each other? Like is Connie so twisted in his own way? He thinks that he understands what is right for Nick when Nick doesn't even understand what's right for him. Well, two things. Cause I think, I mean, this is going to be like in the context of the movies I'm about to compare. It's different. And maybe it's just because it's a product of when the movies were made, <clears throat> but I feel like, all right, if you had to sum, if you had to, you know as few words as possible describe this movie gritty rain man all right now now it's not really accurate obviously because rain man i don't think is as intense it's very 90s happy-go-lucky kind of yeah do do doing stuff but one thing that's really important why i don't really like rain man that much is because after i forget you know after um Tom Cruise's character sort of has that moment of like bonding with his brother. He immediately takes him to the casino and uses him to get money. Yeah. Which is, yeah, kind of a, and so kind, kind of, kind of a dick move, Tommy. It, no, it really is. It sours for me, the entire experience after that, because I was like, okay, he had this, like he's had these bonding moments and they culminated to him using it in a context that his brother doesn't understand so that he can sort of cheat the casinos pretty selfish yeah and it's like okay by the end of the movie sure he's like being a bit nicer but it's like but to do that he had to get him money so it kind of feels like an empty relationship like it seems hollow in how they actually feel about each other in my opinion so in how this, yeah i was gonna ask how, how much do you think that relates to the relationship between nick and and connie in this one, it's totally different. It's sort of like what you said. He wants to give his brother, he wants to give Connie agency. But let me reverse the question on you, Luke. Does Nick really have agency? I think you just got the names mixed up. Are you asking me if Robert oh. Pattinson? Hey, yes, yeah. Robert Pattinson. Yes. Does How? he have agency? Um, I think he has agency up until Nick runs through the door. Right. And then after that, it just feels like such a whirlwind of making decisions for himself. So that's kind of why I wanted to start the conversation right in the beginning of the movie, because I almost feel like the first everything after the first 10 minutes is all kind of reactionary. So I do think Connie holds a lot of agency in this story, as I really think at the end of the day, it's his story. Were, were you kind of thinking something else? No, it's totally his story. I think he I, I agree with your point where he loses agency after after his brother goes through the window and he gets arrested from then on. He's stuck in a loop that he really can't get out. If he goes farther and farther down the rabbit hole, we love yeah. saying rabbit hole on this show. It's a good phrase. And when that happens and he can't stop going and he keeps pushing forward, it's sort of, you know, the end kind of becomes clear. We're like, all right, how is he going to get out of this? Cause he's, you know, very early on after the hospital, he's targeted, you know, they've yeah. got his face. They know exactly who they're going after. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Now, in everything that he's doing, right? Because we see that they're robbing the bank to bring it back to the towards the beginning for you. When they're robbing the bank, he doesn't really need his brother there, right? No, no, he he doesn't. He doesn't really need his brother there. Is he using his brother as an excuse? That's a really good point that I wanted to bring up with you, honestly, because, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, like, well, if his brother wasn't there, you wouldn't have a movie. But at the end of the day, why is his brother actually there? And when, when we look at the bank robbery scene for what's actually being said, Connie asks Nick, what are you thinking about? Nick says nothing, and then Connie kind of chuckles, which is another example of how Nick really has no agency, although Connie wants to give him that agency so bad. Then when, when they're outside in the alleyway, you know, in like a really kind of touching moment, touching in a fucked up way because we're watching a fucked up movie, but t- t- touching in the sense of like, I couldn't have done that without you unless you were standing next to me being strong. Do you understand that, Nick? Do you understand that I couldn't have done that without you? And it's it's this really odd. How deep does that, how deep does that statement go? Right. That's exactly what I'm trying to kind of delve into with you is like, is that, is that not the definition of a flawed character of a flawed human being, someone who doesn't understand what they do, you know, like as, as Nick is, as Connie is pulling Nick out of the doctor's office, the doctor even says, shame on you, shame on you. And Connie says, shame on me, shame on you, dude. How much, how much of that comes out in that way to Connie, dude? Like, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah, that God, now I say that, it's got to be miserable because thinking about the conversations that he's just absorbing, you know, as these yeah. people just talk about him, it's almost the entire movie is people talking about him to his face. But you know what I also found extremely interesting is that after Nick runs through the door, him and Connie aren't together for the entire rest of the movie. Yeah. You know, this movie ends up not being about that relationship. It's about. Robert Pattinson trying to fix his fuck up. So instead of being able to spend time really dissecting who Nick is to Connie, we kind of have to use the context clues in the beginning to really kind of create any sense of an argument about it. And I'd also like to mention that Connie kept running, didn't he? Yeah. He kept running, man. He kept running. <clears throat> That's another point. Cause right. Cause the end goal, right? Their end goal is they mention it briefly is he, they want to get enough money to go like get a cabin or a house out in the country in the middle of nowhere so they can sounds, just live. Sounds like Connie is Dutch and he's always got a plan. <laughs> he's got a plan. I don't know, Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> what happened on that steamboat? <laughs> but no, like realistically though, like if that that's the end goal, right? Yeah. And it seems like that sort of plan is is mainly for Connie. Yeah, right? I think. It doesn't seem like it's for Nick. I, I feel like he cares more about Nick, but he uses that to justify the actions and the lifestyle he lives. Like, oh, I got to do this for my brother. Justification, I gotta, yeah. I got I to, gotta, you know, trick this old friend into using her parents' money to get him out of, you know, prison. Yeah, to get his bail money, you know, like uh, that justifies everything. I got to beat the crap out of this amusement park security guard just so I can, you know, get him out of here so I can get my brother. And I only say that because I know a few of you are probably like, no, he really cares. And I genuinely believe that he does have an amount that cares more. But after he realizes he got the wrong guy out of the hospital, and especially once they go back to the hospital and see it's crawling with police, it's 
pretty obvious that that plan will never happen. Yeah. His face is plastered everywhere. They know who they're looking for. And his end goal, what he needs to get to his end goal, is so far unobtainable. And it's literally all his fault. I, I thought it was really interesting that immediately um, in the in the opening credits, you know, th- this is all this stuff we're talking about, too, is like low key before even the not not the opening credits after the doctor's office. But like, if you remember when they show Nick in Rikers Island, they're like still showing like who produced the movie and everything. And like immediate, yeah. immediately in that scene, Nick is getting the shit kicked out of him. And it's all Connie's fault. Connie's twisted justification and representation of the relationship he has with his younger brother has immediately landed his brother in hot water in a situation in which he doesn't truly understand what's happening. And he gets the literal shit kicked out of him. And I also found it really interesting that the lawyer literally says to Nick, I don't think you are as responsible for this as you think you are. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like right away. It's almost like the, the Safdie brothers, the director also, I don't know if you knew this, but Nick is one of the Safdie brothers. Oh, I didn't know that. And so like literally it's almost, it's almost like the, the director is coming down from, from the heavens in that scene and, and giving us the profit to say, <laughs> I, I don't think Nick is as responsible for this as we know. And like, that's, that's kind of obvious stuff, but I, I think when you're, dissecting who Connie is in this story, which is really the root of of what Good Time is trying to tell you. You really got to kind of figure out where that love for Nick lies. And I, I don't think it's as simple as just saying, well, he Connie just loves him because he he does love him. But everyone else related to Connie in this movie is really just a pawn in, in his game. How much of a pawn is is Nick at the end of the day? Yeah. And also, too, I mean, really early on, Connie's other pawns, I mean, the movie quickly uses them and gets rid of them. Yeah, dude. Even when what I noticed when um when I was watching the other day was after the bail bond scene with the girl, um, I, f- I forget her name. I'm sorry. There's there's no no goodbye cut and she's out of the movie. Next scene is yeah. him in the train station looking at the map to get to the uh hospital. She's out of the movie, never to be heard from again. And honestly, she didn't really care about Connie in the first place. She just wanted to go on a, on a trip. So and like and, and you know, I think not remembering her name is kind of indicative to the movie. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't necessarily blame you for that. I don't remember either, but I'm terrible with names. I already proved that it's because like she's there and then they're gone. Like once we get past that point, that scene where he's all right, get to the hospital. He's only dealing with people he doesn't know for the rest of the movie. Yeah, exactly. At all. He gets farther and farther out of his circle, even though he's trying to get to the person that is the center of his circle, Hmm. as he claims. Yeah, so that... Whoa. Yeah, well, dude, I I went... I don't think... (laughs) I don't... Well, here, hey, I, I, I maybe, maybe I got a brain buster for you. So, um, when they were in the girl's house and they're watching TV before they flick it onto the news, they're watching cops, and the the cops, of course, like stab a woman and say it's okay. It's like super fucked up. But um, what Connie says is, I don't want to watch them justify this shit. How do you think Connie is justifying everything he's done in this movie so far? Internally? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that's 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 kind of what that made me think of is like it how is he justifying getting Nick out of jail to to himself? Does he want Nick out of jail so Nick doesn't th- say anything? Does he trust Nick and Nick enough to not 
like speak badly about him or tell him what's going on. Like, like is, are these motions because he actually loves his brother or are these motions because he doesn't want to get in trouble, dude? It's almost as if we have a complex character here. Very flawed. Because you're really questioning and it's Robert Pattinson, like pedal to the metal. Like that's what this movie is. It's, it's really his movie. For the reasons we stated earlier, you know, you're only experiencing characters that he doesn't know after, you know, like what, 20 minutes of it. Yeah. And they're all they're all pawns. And you could even say that Ray is like a sacrificial lamb in a, in a certain light, you know? Yeah. I mean, almost everyone is gets sacrificed for yeah. this cause. Yeah. And that's sort of the question that I think I'm reeling with the most is sort of who are they being sacrificed for? Is it for Connie or is it all for Nick? You know, and I like I genuinely feel like I think Connie has a greater connection to Nick than in Rain Man than the connection made in Rain Man. Okay, I think I think that's super fair. I genuinely think that. But also, I'm way more conflicted about the relationship that they have in this one, because I don't think what he does justifies how he's getting to that point. You know? Yeah. That's probably the biggest disagreement with, you know, I feel like if I was in that situation, what I would do, you know, if it got to a point where I had messed up the hospital break at that point. Yeah, it's it's kind of that's point of no return. I got to do my own thing. He's better off without me. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the second time in the script that he really counted his chickens before they hatched as well. Right. Yeah. And dude, what happens to that guy that he does break out? Like, so let's think about that. He he pulls that guy deeper into a world where he just got out of prison technically. Yeah. And he said, what he's been out of prison for a day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Prison out of prison for a day. And he got in the hospital because he jumped out of the cab. And so I guess, you know, Luke, what's that? There you go. Put the <laughs> <out of> <laughs> so, um, you know, like what does he do to that guy is instantly, he makes it so he's the threat to that character is he's going to go back to prison. Yeah. And as the story goes on, it escalates even further to his eventual death. Absolutely, man. Now this, this might be, this might be a a bit of a stretch, but what I noticed watching it was, I go fuck myself. Um, <laughs> no, nah, dude, I thought I thought it was interesting that Ray kept calling Connie bro. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, people from like like Long Island and like Brooklyn and stuff. You know, I, I, I call people bro all, all the time. But I, I was wondering if there was any significance to him constantly calling con- Ray calling Connie bro. Then you think about how Ray actually does look enough like Nick that he confused him is Ray almost a representation of the agency that Nick doesn't have and that this is what would eventually happen to Nick if Nick wasn't taken away from Connie would would Nick just go on, on onto a bal- <laughs> would Nick just go onto a balcony be, be because Connie told him too quickly and then he he falls off dude like do you, do you think there's anything to really play with there in Ray's because like the little girl is for sure a pawn in the story too, but Ray's yeah. really the one who gets sacrificed to the night. You know what I mean? Yeah. They all, yeah. Cause she ends up being the one who goes to prison, which has happened to, you know, has been a threat to every character he's essentially interacted with. Yeah. In the movie. 
Yeah, that's a no. That's a really good point. It 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 shows. Yeah, because how he's using people, he genuinely shows a lack of care. Yeah, you're, le- you're left with digesting who's that? Who is that for? Who is that determination for? And right is it um, for himself. Ooh, uh, it probably is because he's so selfish. But also, if if you notice when Ray is telling his story about what he remembers before getting into the hospital, Connie doesn't give a shit until he mentions money. And there's a literal cut from the story of Connie looking back about the money. Then when he's done telling the story, Connie's not even listening because he's typing in the amusement park onto his phone. So is is that an example of where Connie's real value lies? Where if this was Nick, he would doesn't really listen to the story. He just kind of hears the one part that could benefit him, and then goes from there. Yeah. I you know what I've got one counter to that. All right. Because what I would say is throughout the because what I was thinking is throughout the entire movie, right? Connie is after money or something that will get him money. Yeah. Except for the hospital yeah then he's cutting out the middleman but that you know isn't his first step so i think you're more i think you're more right with that point like you're more in the green because that's the first thing he does he doesn't try to put the blame on him on himself and say hey you know he doesn't go to the police and say yeah i convinced my brother to do this yeah yeah, 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 yeah. His his reaction isn't to turn himself in to get his brother out of trouble. It's to try to get both of them out of trouble and kind of get away with it. Yeah, and then it's like, okay, when the money doesn't work, I'll just go take him. When that doesn't work, it's the hunt for money and things that can get him money. So the fact that that is his secondary thought is, you know, compounds that he is more self centered than he is a good guy. But he's still kind of trying to do it for the right reason. Yeah. Right? Isn't he? Yeah, well, that's, Isn't that, he? that's what I'm thinking about, man, is I, I I really don't know. I really like, like, okay, is this character so complex that it's hard for us to make that distinction? Or at the end of the day, is he just selfish and we're reading too much into it? You know, like I, I really, I, the, the root of that answer has to be in his relationship to Nick, right? Cause there's, there's no meat and bones in the relationship to any other character within this movie. Literally none. Not like yeah. Connie has one friend that he texts, not Connie goes to his mom's house and has a nice conversation and she tells him all what what's right. Nobody, there's nobody in this movie that Connie trusts can rely on wants to talk to that comes out in the conversation which is one of the best scenes in the whole movie is when the guy's asking connie if he's done time before and connie's like shut the fuck up you're pathetic man like that is such a crazy scene too that i think really tells so much about how connie kind of views views the world and everyone around him it is just such a cyclone of a person that is just sucking everything into him and spitting it out without a care in the world, you know, what, you know, what else was another random line I wanted to bring up that I thought was interesting was when he asked the, the girl, if that's weed. And he said, Oh, the weed has no effect on me. Never has. Cause is that just cause he's always cracked out all the time? Is this what his life has been like the last 25 <laughs> years? You know, it's like, he's out. He's always, it's almost like it, he doesn't want to give himself time to slow down or reflect because the entire movie we see him only you know, manipulating. We see him manipulating and being like a black hole where he's just drawing people in so he can use them. Exactly. And it's like, I feel like uh, the ganja. But 
butt sort of goes against that because it slows it down. At a minimum, it slows it down. You could perceive it as it forces internal reflections. I, I got a, I got a pretty big butt for you though, and and I I really want to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy. Hey yo, yeah, I got a fat one for you. Um, <laughs> so ex, ex, explain to me when he is in the hospital. And he walks past the cop's room, tells the little lie about the TVs turning on, then goes into the other room, and he feeds the old sick uh, woman the fruit cup. Man, how how does that play into this giant equation of who Connie is? I think, honestly, now that you say that, that's probably the perfect example. Because you could see it as he's being a nice guy. Yep. But then, what does he do? He takes it. Oh, bro. I didn't even notice that. He takes it and then he stands by the door. So it's. Whoa. So he takes. Yeah, because he feeds her and then he drinks it. Then he stands by the door. So it's. Was he being nice? Was he being nice and he needed it? He's been having a hectic time. Or was he just being nice so she would be quiet, go back to bed, not think about it, think it was just somebody feeding her like a nurse? Your staff member. Huh, you know? And I, I feel like it might be a little too idealistic to think that um, it, it's not that. You know, I, I, I think you might be a little too wide-eyed and be putting a little bit too much trust in that character to think that he wasn't doing it for himself. When the, the one counterpoint I would make to that, I guess, is that that is the only example in the movie of something like that, you know, which, which yeah. honestly is kind of masterful that they did it that way because it, it gives really you is. that question, you know, because if, if they were sprinkling stuff like that throughout the entire movie, I don't think the depth would be so hard to get to because you could be like example, 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 but this being the only example and having that kind of be up in the air, I think again, just it talks about how fucking awesome of a movie this is, dude. Yeah, no, it does. That that scene probably captures it best. Also, a good point to make is, you know, we talk about, like, the honesty of our narrator. And sort of, we know when he's lying, right? Well, we know yeah. when he's telling another character something that's bullshit so that he can get what he wants or whatever. But we never hear him explain his long con, his plan. We never outright hear him say this is how i'm going to betray that person it's yeah. whereas i only bring that up because no, towards the end when he's trying to sell the sprite bottle we do hear characters say that we do hear characters plot against him yeah so it's a bit different and leaves it up in the air form where it's like okay we don't 100 percent know his motives i just mm. said motives really weird motives motives well, all right, here's 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 another example I just thought of that could be total bullshit or could have a little bit behind it. And that's kind of um that thing I we I believe I think we've talked about it on the show before, but I love the kind of age-old expression that if animals like you, you're a good guy. Yeah. You know? Um I think we I forget what movie we talked about that with um but there's just there's just an old thing that like if if Was animals Was it Mad Max? It might. I think it was. I think it was. Where like, if animals trust you at your core, you're a good guy. Well, the mean little little pit bull at the end of the movie is pretty cool with Connie. Connie's able to calm him down, not have him bite him, and he the dog ends up defending Connie and bites Ray on the arm. That one might be a little bit of a stretch for an example, but I still find it very interesting that the dog kind of liked Connie and didn't like the other guy. So you say that, and instantly in my head, I'm like, yeah, 
I agree. But then I'm like, well, how did he get the dog to trust him? Yeah. He used that guy's jacket that he beat the shit out of and uh, poured, okay. poured half yeah. a bottle of acid in his mouth. You're right. You're right. And that is nightmare fuel to the extreme. So, but hey, Damn, bro, this movie's so good. I will say, though, I think that's kind of important because it shows that he knows how to be sort of empathetic and considerate. That's yeah. what makes it difficult because he continues to gain the dog's trust. Because I think by the end of it, when he is in the room alone with the dog, I don't think he has the jacket on anymore. No, he doesn't. I think he just puts it back on when um, he goes to like leave the house. Also, that's security guard's apartment. All right. <laughs> Where's that guy making the rest of his money? Okay? Like, <laughs> what, what is that? It's a nice ass place. I wish I had a place this nice. Dude, that is a nice place in New York. Yeah, right. Forget in New about York. it. Um, <laughs> also, when that guy walks down the street with a bottle of honey. <laughs> yeah, mad funny, dude. Mad funny. Um, so sticking in that apartment scene, though, um, I really love the part where uh, he says, "What you think you're better than me?" And Robert Pattinson says, "Yeah." I am better than you. How uh, how do you kind of view that? Is that a that is that just another selfish thing to say? Is it kind of like it's it's weird because I remember thinking I was like I kind of agree with him, but also you wouldn't say that if you were right. <laughs> it's like he's justifying it to himself. Whoa. Okay, so that's a very pinnacle moment where he is sort of that. Honestly, probably if anything is the most sort of exposition we get towards his character. Yeah, whoa, yeah, dude. I don't I I yeah, I think I think a point we need to make about this movie straight up is that for a movie that creates such a likable piece of shit character, you really don't know anything about him other than that we think he loves his brother and at the end that monologue Literally, there's nothing else in this movie that kind of gives us his perspective. Like, in every other scene, he's lying to somebody or playing a con. Like, you you could maybe say that when he's talking to the to the girl in the in the apartment when they're, like, cooking food, he's, like, mildly interested in, like, having a conversation with this person. But then, obviously, she starts getting used, like, everybody else to him. So, like, that's so incredible, honestly. It's so... Dude, inc- all, all, dude also, when he meets her... He could have just left. Yeah. So he isn't wholeheartedly selfish. Yeah, Han, yeah. Han shot first. No, I mean, dude, but can we do we can we talk just about how incredible that is? That is like yeah. it's truly it's incredible like, that a movie this good with this much to talk about barely tells you anything about the main character. Every point of him being good has a plausible counterpoint. Literally everything has a plausible counterpoint. It's an incredible movie, right? Like this is this is straight up. And I really enjoy. I really enjoyed the movie before we talked about it, and I enjoy it much more having talked about it. That 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 feeling it leaves you when the guy falls off the building and Robert Pattinson is just tripping balls in that his eyes are so dilated dude he must have someone definitely had to drive him home from work that day because they dilated his eyes so hard um like just dude that that feeling that just leaves you gutted of like what the hell did i just watch i think not only because of the the anxiety inducing feeling that the movie tries to give you that it successfully gives you throughout the entire thing but at at the same time you're rooting for connie the entire time that when the night finally ends when it all comes to a grinding halt you kind of have the opportunity to really think back on it and be like wow what just what a cyclone of a person because the whole time you 
you kind of think he just loves Nick, but does he really love Nick? And through the examples they gave us, it's just not a clear answer. There is, I don't think there's a clear answer on if Robert Pattinson is inherently good or inherently bad, but you know what he is inherently? What? A good time. Oh my God. (laughs) Give me the Oscar. Let's go. (laughs) A good time. um, Last part of the movie. Last part of the movie. When Nick is in the class, it appears as though he has no agency in his own life. Um, And I'm not sure if I can speak on if that's a good thing or a bad thing from the perspective of um, someone with that capacity. But I do think it is a little chilling that the movie ends with the credits rolling of him being in a room walking back and forth from side to side. So considering that scene... Is it Nick's movie, even though this whole time we've been talking about how this is Robert Pattinson's movie above all else? But the person who really gets affected by it, other than going to prison, would be Nick in that final scene. No? I think it's I think it's Connie's. I think it's Connie's. I think it's Connie's yeah. movie. Yeah. I will say though, I did notice when Connie or not when Connie, when Nick is in a scene, the camera especially when it's on him almost always had a much tighter focus on him. Yeah. In, a, in an already tightly focused movie. Yeah. It, it makes, it gives that feeling of being closed off where it's like, there's not room to look around. You're like staring at, because it's like, it almost cut off like right below his, or like right above his hairline and like his chin, where it's just like, just his face is taking up, a mass majority of the screen, like especially yeah. in those last two scenes where it's just so zoomed on him. So focused on his brother. It just, it, it felt so limited and it felt like, honestly, especially that end scene where, you know, he doesn't, he starts off not participating and then he just hops into it. He doesn't have a change of expression. He just hops into it. It, it, makes you sort of feel like what was the point of all of that for Connie? You know, like I think that's what made me first think about Connie's motives is comparing that first scene and that last scene. Yeah. Where it's just like, how much of an effect did he really have? How much agency did Connie really have? Because his brother just moved on. Yeah, um, Nick is exactly where he's supposed to be, and Connie is exactly where he's supposed to be. So, I mean, does Connie love Nick? I think I think the answer is yes, but I yes. don't think it's that simple. And at the end of the day, you know, make make no mistake, Connie is a failure in this movie. He fails as a criminal, he fails as a problem solver, and most importantly... He fails his brother. And it's it's an entire movie of him justifying that failure. But I think the justifications become so skewed and twisted and everyone gets pulled into the tornado that is his character. It, there's, there's nothing more here than just an exciting movie that is going to leave you feeling a little empty. And I, I really think that was kind of the, the point the point of of the movie, you know, is just this this twisted character who is 
in inherently a narcissist, maybe, you know, in, in inherently a selfish person. And we're really just here for the ride, you know? And I, I almost yeah. feel like ev- everything we've talked about for the last 50 or so minutes can, can't necessarily, well, well, I was about to say something dumb. You can always, uh, <laughs> you, you can always <laughs> argue someone else's argument. I was going to say, I don't know if you can argue what we just talked about. You can always do that. You, you you can always like say that someone didn't get the point or whatever in a certain way. But the point I was trying to make was that this movie gives you so much, but so little at the same time. I'm almost questioning what's important about it. Was it even important? The stuff that we talked about for all this time or, or was, was that feeling that it gives you, what's really important here, you know, like, like yeah. at, at the end, at, at, we kind of started this review saying that like, there's two things. This movie is overall the feeling it gives you and Robert Pattinson's character on the scale. I'm not quite sure which one of those ends up being more important by the end of it. Let me ask, you know, to end off, like we, you know, talking about his character so much, like at the end of the day, like what is your feeling about the character? Like, how do you think right now, his like his character's motivations like quick synopsis what do you think about it him as a character well i hope that taking lsd in the back of a cop car gave him a bit of an ego death that's that's <laughs> that's the first thing you know are you left you know are you left believing that he did it for himself more for himself or he did it for connie or a mix of both i think it changes i think it's a mix of both i think in the first scene when we meet connie he holds true love for his brother. He wants nothing more than for the two of them to be able to make it out of this situation together. But the way he goes about that is so twisted, sociopathic, and not understanding of the situation he's putting his brother into that it really just turns him into a failure of a person. And as a man, honestly... Yeah. Wow. Wow. Questioning his manhood. But honestly, like, like he failed Nick. He, he, he really failed Nick. And I think, I think in the beginning of the movie, they tried to give you some sibilance of him not failing Nick. But when you really look into everything that happened, he started all of this. He dug the hole deeper and he dug the hole deeper and he tried to get out of it. And he, he just couldn't. Shia LaBeouf just kept throwing dirt into the hole, man. Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I think um, Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaSurprise. I think he does love his brother, but he loves him because that's what he needs to center himself. That's what he needs to justify who he is. Ooh, I yeah, think, cause totally without, agree. without that, he's, you know, he's just a dick. <laughs> no, straight up. No, like straight up the, the, and especially in the context of the movie and what they actually gave us, like, like I just said, like there's almost like not too much to work with. So you have to use that as the one way of, of, justifying that he's not a total dick but again is that justification to us or is it to him within himself just like when he's watching cops saying i don't know how they justify this stuff and like to bring back to rain man i like in this in good time i feel that it's an unconscious thing that he needs his brother like i don't think he agrees with that if you told him that 
I think he'd, you know, assume like Connie would assume he's just a better person for it. Yeah. Whereas in Rain Man, Tom Cruise's character, I think, is consciously aware that I'm just going to use my brother. Yeah, which is not cool, Mr. Cruise. Not cool. Yeah, yeah. and you know what? Just because he's white collar doesn't make him better. All right? Okay? Facts. He's a a more mean character. All right? I'm going to say it. Bitch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just quickly before we wrap up, the only thing we skipped over that I wanted to talk about was the perfect scene in this movie to describe that feeling is in the bail bonds scene with uh, her, yeah. her, her calling her mom, starting to yell the bear the the I don't is it bear bonds is that the right bail term? bond bail bonds. bail bonds that guy is like super calm talking on two phones saying some words in Spanish you can see Connie is slowly going crazy trying to do it in like the feeling that this movie gives you i think the tension of it can be described perfectly in that scene and so that's kind of just my little technical artsy fartsy part of the review is that like if you want to watch a movie on why uncut gems feels the way it does or why good times feels the way it does i think that scene is the perfect way to describe how the safety brothers craft their narratives and their stories. And my God, do I want to watch another Safety Brothers movie? I do too. Uh, like uh, utterly fantastic. Um, so this new season, uh, for you love lovely, lovely listeners. You know, if you got anything to say, you know, Luke, what's the social, the Instagram, what what's the thing? It's just uh, midnight showing. Yeah, the Instagram is midnight showing podcast on Instagram, and our email is midnight showing with Luke and Nash at gmail.com. Might have not thought about how realistic that was to type into an email bar when I came up with that. So, <laughs> Micah change, probably not. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, if you want to reach out to us, if you have comments you want to give us, um, yeah, we're love to hear it if you want to suggest movies that we watch feel free to do it and you're you can request anything it could have it could be the newest movie you know it could be the most popular movie we'll probably do avatar at one point because that movie is a roller coaster so unique um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you know i hope you enjoyed listening uh be sure to check us out you know like and do all that stuff wherever you listen to it we're pretty much on every platform um, you can follow our website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com forward slash midnight showing, I believe. Anything else to give the people? This is a, this is a movie that I think anyone could watch and and enjoy. You know, it's 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 dealing with with a lot of dark themes. You know, a lot of crazy stuff happens, but Robert Pattinson plays such a goddamn likable piece of shit that <laughs> it just it it, it re- really secure the fact that he's one of my favorite actors. He makes this movie, and I genuinely think anyone above the age of like fourteen could watch this movie and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't think actors need any more help, especially how the hell am I going to help? But you know, to see a good one get cast away because of like a previous movie or a previous experience like that is really bad because it just means the quality of movies is always going to be, you know, the same. Whereas you get people that are bad actors and they just do exactly what the director tells them in every movie and that's how they're cast in every role. Like that, that doesn't make for interesting movies, I think. Not I'm, for sure, man. I am like stuck trying to think what actor could you replace him with? And it's very hard. 
it's very hard to think of somebody like maybe Johnny Depp, really young. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But it's like I'm I'm left with like that was perfect casting. It it, it really is, dude. It's a it's just a it's a good movie, and it is a, a kind of a good time. Maybe maybe not really, but it could be. <laughs> I don't think the security guard had a good time, but yeah. <laughs> nightmare, 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 nightmare. <laughs>